The following podcast contains spoilers and rude words. Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is We Watched a Thing. Welcome back. Unless you're a first-time listener, then welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener and you're just like sick for Zack Snyder, um, maybe <laughs> don't go back and listen to our Justice League episode. Um, anyway, hope everyone's doing well. Billy, how are you doing? <laughs> Mate, I'm doing exceptional. It's good to see you. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Before we uh, go any further, I need to touch on something that we didn't do last week. You'd given me homework. If you recall, oh, you'd given I mean, me home. You know, I have a shocking memory. <laughs> it had to do with John Wick. Hang on, let me try to remember this. Was it to recast John Wick in a universe where it was where he'd already ticked the box for cold-blooded revenge person, if without remorse had been made in 1993 with Keanu Reeves? Now, I actually did give this some thought. Um. <laughs> I've got a few here that I can run by you. You can, as um, studio head of We Watched Pictures, you tell me if any of these would have flown in. When was the first John Wick? Like 2013? Something like that? Anyway, so this is just before the dramatic comeback of Colin Farrell with The Lobster. Is it possible that a Colin Farrell renaissance could have started with John Wick? I could definitely see that. I could really, really see that, actually. Like, now, no way, Colin Farrell's doing his his weird dramatic shit, and I'm loving it. I'm totally here for it. But I think I think Colin Farrell potentially works, because you need, you need someone with enough age on them. Colin Farrell's by no means old, but he's got enough salt and pepper yep. going on there that, yeah. that I'd be there for it. Um, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, yeah, I could- Two years after Django Unchained. But then you're like, oh, you just did a, you just did a revenge thing where you shot a bunch of people- is it too easy to just slide into another one? <laughs> Even so, I still think Jamie Foxx would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, because then he just becomes the revenge guy. Yeah. That's like actually being filled by mostly people like 20 years older than him. Like Liam like, Neeson. I mean, Denzel <laughs> loves it. Liam Neeson, of course, loves it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, My Man Idris would have been cool. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, let real talk, though. Is there any role that Idris wouldn't be cool in? No, Idris is the answer for everything. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. We have the answer to this question, and it's Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, and then my, my last one. This is this is this is my wild pick. This is my Billy pick. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested. Because you remember that my pick was Will Ferrell. <laughs> Brace yourself and give it. Do me a favor. Let it sit for two seconds before you make a snap judgment. Done. Although then, if you still absolutely trash it, I'm actually quite comfortable with that. Okay. Here we go. Wild pick for John Wick in a universe where Keanu can't do it. David Schwimmer. Um. You know what? <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> we've seen. You know. We've seen. We've seen Mad Ross. We've seen Mental Geller, which I think these days is on PC to say. But um, quoting the show, yeah, we've 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 seen Red Ross. I, I um I don't hate it. <laughs> you threw away my sandwich. <laughs> Maybe that's the trigger. No one kills a puppy; they just throw his sandwich away. <laughs> I think I would be ten times more likely to watch and enjoy that film 
than I did the current John Wick, honestly. There you go. There you go. I, well, look, if I've, if I've pleased you, that's all that matters to me. All right. Well, now that we've spent at least the first half the show talking about not even mentioning what uh, what movie we watched, what did we watch this week, mate? <laughs> we watched Army of the Dead. That's right, a 2021 American zombie heist film directed by Zack Snyder with a screenplay by Snyder, Shay Hatton and Joby Harold and it stars an ensemble cast of Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Anna Della Regera, Taya Rossi, Matthias Schweighofer, uh, Tignataro, I'm, I'm, I'm done there. What is it about, Tove? Um, they're zombies, they're contained in Las Vegas People decide they should combine Ocean's Eleven with this state of affairs, um, and we're off. So, I knew nothing about this film going in. I don't watch trailers. I haven't watched trailers in about, I mean, geez, four years now. I went into this assuming, and maybe I'm the only person in the world who thought this, I thought this was a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. So- Having not seen Dawn of the Dead, I was unsure if this was- I, I still wasn't sure if it was or not. Okay. After watching it, I was like, is this just a different slice of the same universe that that happened in, or is it its own thing? I had to actually check after the film okay. to realise that, no, it's just its own thing. It is its own thing. And in tone, it is completely different. Dawn of the Dead is a very, very good- horror movie it's penned by james gunn who is a far better screenwriter than Zack snyder just quietly and it's 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 honestly one of the few good remake movies um this is not a horror movie and i i went in expecting a horror movie this is this is an action heist with some zombies in it so for me that took me completely off guard is that is this what you were expecting when you went into the film I mean, there's less slow-mo than I thought there might be, given the filmmaker. <laughs> I didn't have, like, I mean, I didn't have too many expectations going into it, to be honest. I'd, like, and, and I suppose particularly because going into it, I actually did so with the assumption that it was a sequel. Yeah. And so I didn't know the tone of the film that I thought it was a sequel to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this film, it does, it starts off with- um, a very good-looking sequence of of our alpha zombie escaping confinement, I guess, as it's being relocated. Um, uh, really, like as I said, good good-looking sequence. Um, the sequence, I suppose, really is about um, human stupidity um, and how that's often our downfall. Um, can I, like can, that that first that opening sequence has just a stunningly low opinion of defense force personnel. Oh, it does, doesn't it? I mean, they're, they're awful at their job. Like, they receive a clear order and they're like, what? I, I know. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Then when that order is given, someone's like, what do you mean? I'm just going to question that order while I stand here long enough to get owned by a zombie. Yes. I agree. I actually, I quite liked the opening sequence. I think it's by far the strongest part of the film. I, I was very much lost after the first 10 minutes, but <laughs> I very much enjoyed the opening sequence and I thought I was going to be in for something good. But I mean, you're right. Like the, they are so dumb. Even me, a layperson. My first thought is she's telling you this because she's about to nuke the area. Like- 
that's just immediately where my head went. She's telling you to get as far away from the payload as you can. She knows it's been compromised. You're about to be nuked. I, like, evidently that didn't happen, which honestly, it's kind of dumb of them. They should have. <laughs> like, then, I know. Then I was like, how was there not a helicopter or something just following these guys in case this happens and yeah. then it just launches? Yes, exactly. It's very, very dumb. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it has a bad opinion of defense personnel from the top down. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sequence apparently took five weeks to shoot. You're kidding me. Because it's shot at dusk, and so the conditions they had for shooting, they had for such a small amount of time. Five weeks. Mate, you know the dumbest thing about that is the time of day for that sequence really doesn't matter. It's not uh, like, mate. Yeah, it's just to look cool. Yeah. And it's not like, in fairness, yes, it does look cool. It does. It does. I, don't know, I don't know if it's five weeks of production cool. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Some pretty sweet exposition in that scene, though. <laughs> Just a random conversation. Hey, so what are we hauling? Yeah. <laughs> Which I bet is what they talk about. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then the really subtle code names of, like, this is the four horsemen yes. calling in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's when you know that no one in, like, defense or military was consulted because they all would have been like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> The four um, horsemen. Mothership, <laughs> mothership, we need you. <laughs> um, we, we then get a, a, a quite lengthy opening credit sequence. Very lengthy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's a lot. Some of it's quite fun. Well, here's the thing. I was a bit confused because at first I thought it was a fun credit sequence. I find the pacing of the opening extremely strange um, because the opening credit sequence is where you get the majority of backstory. And by the time you're getting it, it's it's so late that it takes your brain a minute to catch up to realize what's happening. When we start seeing Dave Bautista, I'm like, oh, am I meant to be paying attention to this credit sequence instead of just thinking it's something kind of fun? Did you have the same experience or was that just me? No, I think I probably had a fairly similar experience to you. I was like, okay, it's just a bunch of little yeah. fun vignettes of people getting mauled by zombies, exactly. which is fine. Yeah. I didn't actually realise that I was meant to be paying that much attention to no, it. No, exactly. So, then when you get into the film proper and you're like, okay, all right. So, I guess Dave Batista did something. <laughs> like- <laughs> Can I just say that there's one moment in that, um, in that opening title sequence, the guy who's parachuting- and he's just falling oh, towards this herd of yeah. zombies. That is such a great idea and such a cool idea, like such a great setup for a scene. I was like, this is too good yeah. to be wasted in third in 18 seconds of a title sequence. Yeah, agreed. Like, so I'm, I'm like, okay, props. That was actually really cool. And then I was like, but no props because you blew it in the open. That would have, ah, oh, no, boo, boo. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so then we get into um, the story proper, where where our guy Dave Bautista uh, is is offered a job to go and steer to go and do a Danny Ocean and take the money from a casino vault, which the insurance company has already paid out on by the the casino owner. This films. Andy Garcia, <laughs> yep. who decides not to tell them 
the combination for the safe? Yeah, I know, right? He owns the casino. Why do they need a safe cracker? Give him the give him the key, mate. I'm sure there's a physical key sitting around somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it's some kind of super safe that changes combination every 12 hours, but in that case, what you could at least establish that. Well, but even if it changes every 12 hours, someone would that would be a computer system that would be yeah. like they would have some way of knowing it. That would be a yeah. pretty bad safe design if it was like, "Oh, sorry, mate, the code change, I can't get your money." <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't know what was going on there, but you know, whatever. I, when that when that happened, it was like, okay, look, provided it doesn't get in the way of a bunch of sweet headshots of zombies, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Um, let's let's see what happens. Now, here's the tough thing with seeing what happens. Yes, we've spoken about this already today when you were watching the film <laughs> and messaging me, going, um, <laughs> "How's the depth of field?" Oh. In this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you you messaged me and said, is this whole thing shot at like F1.8? Yeah. I did a little bit of digging today, Billy. Did you? I found out the following. Okay. In the lead up to this film. They had special lenses made that went to like (laughs) (laughs) 0.4. Zack Snyder, who acted as his own director of photography. Oh, he did. Oh, I did not know that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed in the opening credits okay. um, when I wasn't looking at a parachute scene that was too cool to be used up uh, in the yeah, opening credits. That makes a lot of sense. So, in the lead up to this film, Zack Snyder was hitting eBay pretty hard, buying up all of these specific Canon lenses from the 60s. Yep, okay. Um, with, that have a nickname of, I believe it's the Dream Lens because they have this kind of- dreamlike ethereal quality to it, or at least that's what people want in them. They're photographic lenses. Yeah. Um, they're quite small. They're 50, I believe they're 50 millimeter lenses. I was going to say, but they're obviously primes. Yet they are, in this film, apparently almost every, and this is apparent when watching the film. Yes. <laughs> almost every shot in the film is used with these lenses. Wide open. Yeah, even even wide shots, which is very strange. To let's kind of, I, I feel like maybe we've been a little bit too technical here. So let's let's go right back for a second. What we're talking about is the aperture of the lens, which is the amount of light that the lens lets in. Correct. You're you're the lensman here, not me. The more open the lens is, the more lights that is hitting the sensor, the less of the image that is going to be in focus. That's correct. So in this film, in every scene. Like one, a person's eyelash will be in focus yep. and the neighboring eyelash is not. That's right. Focus is that small. So when you messaged me and said, is this whole thing shot at like F1.8, which would be a fast lens yeah. opened all the way up. Yep. These lenses that he was buying up go to F0.95. Wow. I've never seen anything like that. The problem for me is that. Okay, here's the thing. It has what people call a cinematic look because um, you used to only be able to really get depth of field with, you know, proper cinema lenses. You know, like on your old home video camera, you weren't getting depth of field. Yeah, the problem problem there is that the sensor in a, a home video camera wasn't big enough. Yeah. 
to allow for that. Um, and then once people could do it with DSLRs, yep. they went fucking crazy. That's right. So for me, it, and I think we've spoken about this before, for me, it gives it a very film student look where it's like, hey, I can, I can make it look like this. I should do that. For me- Shallow depth of field like that works much more in a heightened drama piece where you've got people talking and you've got a lot of, you know, close up shots. This film is there's a lot of wide shots here that are still very, very shallow. Yeah, there's you'll have like a shot of four people having a conversation. Yeah. And someone's got a the the poor bloody first assistant camera operator is having to pull focus. Every time someone talks, because even someone standing right next to another person is so deeply out of focus, which and then to add to that, almost every shot is handheld. The problem for me, too, is that it's like that even in action scenes. So it's really, really hard. Well, for me, anyway, I'm old these days and I've always had terrible eyesight. But when there's a a fast cut action scene and you're trying to follow it, it's hard enough without worrying about what's in focus for me. And all I could think of is the poor visual effects artists who had to add anything digital into this and etch around that focus and match that focus. It would have been extremely difficult. And so you said it, like people think that a a shallow depth of field equals cinematic. Um, You know what's also cinematic, I would argue? Seeing what's in a scene and being able to follow it with the sense of the space and the action. Yep. The thing I was reading today about these, about- the Canon dream lenses that he was buying up is that people have a very, people either love the look of these lenses or they hate them. Like no one's on the fence about it as, as this article said. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get that because I fucking hated it. Yeah. And I actually thought that the, the bokeh that this lens gave in this film, I thought it looked like portrait mode on a smartphone where it digitally makes the background out of focus. And I found it, I kid you not, I found it hard to look at this film sometimes. Same. And to make it worse for me, the look isn't even the worst thing. I th- I thought I might have seen, seen my worst film of the month last, last week with Woman in the Window. <laughs> this tops it for me, I've got to say, because I, uh, you know, the first 10 minutes had me a little bit pumped. I was like, oh, cool. I'm in for a fun ride. After that point, for me, the fun completely stops. And this film kind of loses what it's saying. I feel like this movie thinks that it's dumb fun, but it takes itself so seriously that you as the viewer are kind of expected to take it seriously as, as well. And you just, you can't. I don't care about these characters. I don't give a shit about anything that's happening on screen. And I kind of feel like even the zombie action stops being fun after that opening sequence. Maybe I don't dislike this film as much as you, because if you ask me, what do I want to watch? If I had to watch one again, The Woman in the Window or Army of the Dead, I'd probably pick Army <laughs> of the Dead, despite the fact that it's 45 minutes longer. And that in itself is just inexcusable. Why is this film almost two and a half hours it's long? It's ridiculous. Um, so we, we get to a point in this film where we're like, okay, there's no way known to God I'm going to dislike the next five minutes because I love a team coming together. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't even have to be well done. I'm like, I'm just, I know I'm going to be in on it. Um, This was dull AF. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I'll give props where props are due. I think most of the acting in the film is atrocious. To give Dave Bautista credit, I don't even think of him as an actor. And yet I think he's doing okay here. I think he's doing the absolute best with what he can. The only other 
you know, person that I enjoy in this film is Tig. Did you know, though, that she filmed her scenes completely alone? Every scene she's in is digital post. She she was on a green screen for everything. <laughs> Having replaced a comedian who um, I believe got in trouble because <laughs> of the age of people he was consorting with. Am I right there? I, I believe that's what I read today. <laughs> I can't say I knew who he was, but- <laughs> No, neither do I. So, he got chopped out of the film and replaced with someone who has the best energy of anybody in the oh, film. Easily. She's, um, she's the only one bringing gusto. She's the one just doing it by herself. Yeah. And also, she's she's usually known as quite a deadpan comedian. So, she's usually- Her shtick is to be kind of dull. And yet, here she is bringing easily the most amount of energy out of anyone. And she's standing on a green screen by herself. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just miss it in the film? Or was it not explained? What's the rationale for this kind of almost refugee camp? being situated right next to Las Vegas in the film. Why are these people there? There was one scene. I I almost missed it too. There's one scene very early on. There's a news report at one point on the TV. In fact, it might be like a morning show type thing. And someone is whinging about how the government has been- Oh, there's kind of a debate going on. That's right. Because the government has been, I guess, like temperature checking people and putting them in this camp, claiming they're zombies, even though they're not. Um- That is the only reference to my memory in the entire film. And at the time, again, it's before you see the camp. It's it's so out of context. I think it's, I think it's, I think Dave Bautista is watching it when he's grilling the burger. When you very first see him before he gets approached about Mm. joining the team, and it just yeah, it's so poor. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I just kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So and this okay this. Geez, here we go. With the, with the people in the camp, this leads to one of my things about this film that I thought was just genuinely badly done, which is just the amount of B-plots taking oh. up time in this film that they they just should not be there. I mean, that's the thing. You, you touched on before that this film is overly long. Um, this movie is at least an hour too long. There, there are yeah. large, large chunks that should just not be in this movie. Yeah, looking at you, mum from the camp B plot. Yeah, yeah. Even you know the number of people who who form this team and go in. We st- even with this film being two hours twenty five or whatever it is, we don't get enough from any of them to care. So why not cut that team in half? Why isn't this like just Dave Batista, a helicopter pilot, and a safecracker? You know, like we don't need the amount of people. Those B plots with the guy taking the queen's head and whatnot, it's just it's so bad. I like I could stand to keep the sleazy corporate guy screwing everyone, just you know, basically Paul Riser from Aliens being there. We know that can work. It's it doesn't like you don't care about it in this film because it sucks. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, it's not it's not that that can't work. Yeah, I think the problem for me is that, as I said, I just I kept expecting to have fun at some point. Like, what is this movie doing if it's not trying to make the audience have fun? When I came into this film, I was like, surely, like, m- maybe the ceiling for this film isn't that high. But my assumption was that the floor would actually be reasonably high because I was like, worst case scenario, there's just a bunch of fun killing of zombies. Yeah. And at least there's some fun gore. There's some cool action scenes. Like that's the that's the worst I'm gonna get. But in 
classic Zack Snyder. He doesn't want you to have fun. No, that's the problem. And I just don't even understand. You know, like Dave Batista, he's 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 knockoff rock. Like that's that's his whole shtick is, you know, when you can't get the rock, get Dave Batista in and you'll have a pretty decent time. <laughs> like he's not a dramatic actor. You say that not having seen though, Billy. I'll pull you up there. You say that not having seen Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Where he is really really good. Okay. All right. Put Dave Bautista in some weirdly small glasses at the beginning of the film, <laughs> and it turns out it works. <laughs> I just like to me, it's like if you're going to cast him, let him let him have fun. Don't, why is this a drama all of a sudden? Why do I care about him and his daughter? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and what's with letting her? Like everyone else is like has arm guards on, armed to the teeth, and then his own daughter, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you just stay in that tank top. You'll be right." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk, since this is a Zack Snyder film, shall we talk needle drops for a second? Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> now, you messaged myself and our good mate Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs, but I forget exactly what the message is, but you were having a bit of whinge about the needle drops. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it begs the question, can something be so obvious that you're actually embarrassed for the film. Yeah, I did think that towards the end when the Cranberries zombies started playing. And I was like, oh, my God, that is that is so on the nose. It almost hurt. You know, that is a song that holds a special place in 90s kids' hearts. Oh, mate, I love that like, song. <laughs> like, yeah, how are you ever not happy to hear that song? <laughs> and yet- yeah. Yeah. Also, not not about literal zombies, Zach. Not not really about zombies. <laughs> it's more about it's more about like you know nine inch nail fans kind of zombies. <laughs> um, no, I love that. So I I will admit though I I didn't hate all of the needle drops in this film. And let me preface that by saying this: as I mentioned before, I'm an old man now. I can barely see. <laughs> I can also barely hear. So, I watch a lot of movies these days with subtitles on. The fun thing about that is that, like, half a second or so before the song starts, the subtitles come up, you know, with little music notes letting you know what's about to play. So, you kind of get yourself- they they take you less by surprise and you get a little bit more pumped for them. You're like, oh, yeah, I could go some Elvis right about now. (laughs) I'm going to stand up here for one scene in the film. Just Fox News fair and balanced style. (laughs) The actual lead up to the safe cracking with the triggering of the booby traps, you know, di- discount Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where they where they send the zombie down. Exactly. Yeah. Most of this film, like I said, doesn't want you to have fun. That is a fun scene. Uh, you know, a 110 minute movie of that energy. Yeah. Like would have been sensational. Agreed. Agreed. That That scene is easily, once they hit Vegas, that's the only fun scene in the film for me. Like, there's a couple of, you know, there's there's some fun enough gore, but on a scale of zero to Evil Dead 2, oh, oh. it's it's close. It's like, we're not- Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and most of the fun gore does happen in that opening sequence for me. By the time you get to some of the gore later in the film, you, I'm so past it that I, I can't say I was having fun with it. The jaw rip early on, that's, that's good, clean fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the end, it's kind of just a lot of automatic gunfire, which miraculously, almost all of which are headshots. Yeah, um, I know. 
I mean, uh, you know, he's got a medal. He's apparently pretty kick-ass, but everyone is, everyone's just like spraying and heads explode all over the shop. It's like, that is, that's good shooting. Where is somebody reattaching a chainsaw to their cut-off arm? You know, like, where is mm. where is the fun? I agree. I, and this is the problem I have. This is why I didn't care for John Wick, going back to our opening conversation. <laughs> to me, it's just a lot of bullets flying, and that kind of action just doesn't do it for me. I, I want choreographed fight scenes with interesting weapon choices, especially in the zombie film. That's what it's for. They tease it early on when the team is getting together and you see, and again, one only other fun kind of moment in the in the film, when you see Safecracker's kind of imagination of what it might be like and he's holding the club with the barbed wire and stuff on it, why don't we get that in the actual film? All right. It sounds like you're slightly more positive on it than me, although maybe not much. How are you scoring this? Three out of ten. Not a good film. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a two. I just had so little fun with this film when it really got my hopes up in the opening ten minutes that it might hold that kind of energy. But it, much like other recent Snyder, it's just it's just grim, but not. I don't know. It's you wouldn't say this is a dark film either. It's not. It's just it's just kind of nothing. It's like the porridge of cinema. Yeah, now that I check IMDb, I actually have this um. Yeah, I stretch to a four out of ten. I mean, like porridge can be good. Don't get me wrong. You add a little stewed apple to it, maybe you get you get. I mean, you know, you add a couple of scoops of. But mostly, Milo. you're kind of doing it because you know it's good. For well, you. that's right. This isn't good for you. This is just shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, and likewise, you're a three out of ten on. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we're all over the shop. You have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Mate, nearly 200 episodes in. We don't have to keep track. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We're both, we both think it is subpar. Yes. That much we know that, for that's, sure. That's the key takeaway from this. <laughs> all right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedthing.com or wewatchedthing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and them Twitters, all under the handle at we watch the thing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash we watch the thing and we'll catch you next week. Watch a movie, folks.